Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. In Cherokee County, the Department of Social Services is one of the most important departments that we have. It deals with many aspects of the care of our citizens, our adults and children. It administers a significant portion of the county budget as well as money from the state of North Carolina. Uh, And in recent, uh, in the past year, I'm sure that you people have been aware that the Cherokee County Department of Social Services has been in the news uh, quite a bit because of some issues that have been developing over the last decade. In other words, this is not something that has occurred in the last month or the last year, but over the last decade, uh, there have been some issues that have developed that have brought national attention uh, to our Department of Social Services. With me here today to discuss these issues and all all aspects of these issues is the... uh, Director of the Cherokee County Department of Social Services, Amanda Tanner-McGee, and uh, Andrea Duncan, the uh, lawyer, legal counsel for the Cherokee County Department of Social Services. So I want to welcome you both, uh, and thank you very much for being guests on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you so much. We are both very pleased to be here and uh, just honored, so thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you both for being here. And let's start off with uh, telling everybody who exactly you are. So, Amanda Tanner-McGee, where have you been in your life? What have you done? And how did you get here? Um, I grew up in the Canal Zone in Panama, actually, as where I've been in my life, uh, just quickly, and um, not via the military. My grandfather was one of the first doctors in the Canal Zone in the construction days, Went to Florida State University where I got my master's degree in social work. I got my bachelor's degree in science, of science uh, in psychology from Troy State University. And since that time, I have spent my entire career, 35 years, working in child welfare, starting from uh, the lower positions of being uh, group home staff in group homes with troubled kids, worked my way all the way up to vice president level work in Florida, mainly focusing on child welfare and improving the outcomes for children, Um, working on quality assurance systems, working on how we can better do our job uh, to keep children safe, to support families um, throughout my entire career for the last 35 years. 
Um, I am a Cherokee County native. I grew up here, graduated from Andrews High School, went to college in Spartanburg, South Carolina at Converse College, um, got my bachelor's degree in politics from there, came back to Cherokee County and started working in the district attorney's office in 1991. That was my first career for nearly 20 years. Went back to law school late in life and graduated from John Marshall Law School in Atlanta in um, 2009, went into private practice after that, um, did guardian ad litem advocacy work, and uh, later moved into representing the Graham County Department of Social Services before this opportunity came forward. And so I've been with Cherokee County DSS now about 18 months. So it is safe to say that I am surrounded by two very well-educated people who are able to speak to what really can in some ways be a very difficult subject to to discuss. So let's start off. uh, Well, first of all, uh, Director, can I call you Amanda? Please do. Okay. Uh, And you can call me Dr. Dan. It's only fair. Thanks. So um, you came here from Rutherton, did you not? I did. I was the assistant director and social work program manager for five years in Rutherford County, um, having, having gotten there from, from my career in Florida. Um, Rutherford County was a good experience. I worked hard to, to turn the data around um, to, to improve the outcomes for kids there. And we endured a couple of difficult situations there as well. Um, it was a pleasure to come to Cherokee County DSS from that post, and I'm, I'm honored to be here. So... Let's set the stage for uh, this discussion, or the, at least the initial part of this discussion. Um, when you came here, uh, uh, Amanda, the Cherokee County of Department of Social Services was in, I don't know, it was probably worse than the war zone. It, uh, I think it, a nuclear bomb had gone off in it, uh, essentially, uh, uh, to say things were in disarray would be a gross understatement. It was, uh, I would say, it was about the worst set of circumstances that you can imagine in a government agency. So tell us the history of what happened. How did it get there? Or what were the facts of how it got there? The whys we're going to get into a little bit down the road. But when you came here, what were the facts on how it got where it was? Uh, well, the facts are that um, at least two administrations prior to me, the council for the department made a decision uh, to um, prevent the department from having um, numerous children in custody, and that that attorney made the decision to um, move children into what he thought were permanent arrangements without uh, court approval. And so the document called the visitation agreement, custody visitation agreement, was was created um, by him and signed off on by directors, uh, two directors prior to Cindy Palmer. So what you're talking about is you had children who had been removed from their home for a variety of reasons, which we don't need to go into right at the moment, but they, they were deemed to be not in homes in which they were physically and mentally safe. That's correct. And so he constructed a written agreement that did not have any court approval. Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. And by that agreement, these children were placed elsewhere 
by agreement of all parties who signed who signed off, in other words, the parents or parent or guard, whatever it was, and a recipient set of people. That's correct. And so that was called a custody and visitation agreement. Correct. So how did that work? Well, to my knowledge, the way that worked is that the department would have, at that time, the attorney, the social worker, and the supervisor would have met with the family uh, to discuss whatever the the issues were, and that an option available to them would have been to um, have their child move into this other home in a permanent arrangement. Um, and and then all parties signed off on, on those agreements. Um, it was viewed as a permanent agreement, although it did not have did not have court approval. Um, and so in that process, the parents weren't offered. And, and really, that's, that's just the crux of what that was. Children were moved into permanent arrangements vis-a-vis this document that appeared to be um, permanent, uh, was viewed as permanent, uh, but without, without any oversight. From that point on, those agreements just remained in place, and the department closed the cases of those children. How many of those agreements were uh, executed? Um, to my knowledge, I think there was 42. Am I correct? I'm not sure on the number, but it was around that. It was a... Around 42 Around forty-two children correct. Around, were involved. What, what do you feel was the basic – well, let's put it – what do you feel was the basic problem with that mechanism? What, what – what was the problem with that mechanism? I mean, the children were in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Presumably, they were moved into a, a good situation or obviously a better situation. Right. What was the problem? Well, the, the problem really is that the parents weren't afforded counsel and the parents um, didn't have um, a, a mechanism to uh, disagree if they, didn't, if they didn't believe that that was, was correct. Um, there is sufficient federal law and state law that mandates how uh, children, the rights that parents have to raise their children. And there has to be sufficient grounds um, for any department, for a government agency to step in to remove rights from parents. In our work in child welfare, uh, parents are at the point where non-secure custody is, is given by the court parents are still then given ample opportunity to work on whatever those issues were, whether whatever, whatever it was that caused the safety threats, whether it was substance abuse or mental health issues or whatever, whatever the issues were, parents are afforded um, opportunity uh, and resources to, to change um, those circumstances. In the case of the civil custody agreements, uh, the CVAs, um, it, could be argued that parents weren't given those rights and didn't have the opportunities that they would have had had they gone through the normal um, court process. Nevertheless, I mean, it's obvious that these children who were removed, were there was reason to remove them. It wasn't as if they went to somewhat a normal home and dragged children out. These children were all in homes that where the custodial parental figures, whatever they were, uh, were obviously not caring for them in a proper manner, or there was some kind of physical or mental danger in the home. So it was not some, it was not a random act. These were these were kids who were brought to the attention of DSS for one reason or another. That's correct. 
Why do you have any idea why it was chosen to use this kind of a, an agreement system rather than go through court? I can only guess. Um, and so I, while I have absolutely no direct information from anybody about the whys at that time, having been in this field for as many years as I have, I would venture to guess that it's to keep um, caseloads low, that there, it is difficult for uh, any department to manage high numbers of cases of children in foster care. There might have been other reasons, um, but one reason could be that um, it was a quicker, um, easier mechanism to move children into permanent arrangements. And, and let me say that um, in many areas, kinship family members do step in and take care of children. And so while this mechanism was not correct, um, the viewpoint at the time is that family members were stepping in to, to take care of these, these children. Um, well, you would, I'm sure you would, would agree that in times past, before the big, the big foot of government was on people's necks, when parents were having trouble or children were having trouble, uh, they would be taken care of by grandparents or, or aunts and uncles or other family members. And certainly in an area, a rural area such as ours, <clears throat> that probably happened routinely. Right. I mean, even if it was just something as simple as an accident in, in the timber, let's say someone was a, a, in the timber industry and, and got killed, mm -hmm. severely injured, right. well, the family, family stepped up and took, and, and took care of these people. So that... In an area like that, that really is not something that is unusual right. or abnormal. As a matter of fact, it's really expected. We're talking with Amanda McGee and Andrea Duncan, uh, the director and legal counsel for the Cherokee County Social Services. Uh, welcome back after our break. Uh, we were talking about the custody visitation agreements and issues involved with that. So let's go back to the custody visitation agreements. About 40-some were, were executed, and this was a way of removing children in peril, children in danger from their homes without going through the court system. So a fair question to ask was, what was the result of that program? How did these kids do? I mean, you're, they, yes, I agree. It wasn't done in a legal way, right. but you took kids who were in, in peril, in danger. They were moved out of a, their dangerous situation into a better situation. How did that work out? What I can say, because I'm not the one that evaluated um, those cases, but at the time that the state did um, come into the department to, to look at all of the children that were involved, I'm not aware of, there may have been a couple um, and that I don't have information about, but I'm, I believe that most of the children were determined to have to be in placements that were appropriate or that were safe. Um, and so um, there, there might have been, and I'm sorry I don't have this exact answer, but most of 
when the state came in and reviewed all those 41 children, um, I'm not aware of changes that were made to those placements. So we have a situation where uh, a mechanism was devised that was efficient, uh, obviously probably worked. It did run contrary to law, um, but nevertheless it did work. And it went on for over a decade. These these cases go back to before 2010. It was 2008 or nine, somewhere around there. So what upset the apple cart? What happened to bring this all out into the public eye? Uh, Andre can probably speak to this more than I can, but I I believe what happened is that a parent um, wanted uh, return of his child. And and that that is how uh, this came to the public eye. Andre, could you speak to that? That's accurate. I think what happened is one of the fathers of a CVA child um, wanted to have a court hearing on this custody order that he remembers being involved in. And as he was trying to hire an attorney, it was discovered that this custody order was not actually an order signed by the court and I think that's how the beginnings of the unravel happened. How many years was that child uh, subject to the CVA before? I'm not certain but I think it was a quite a significant amount of time. It was not a recent development. So for five, six, seven years? I would think that would be. Something like that. Mm -hmm. This child had been removed, obviously had had done well because there hadn't been any further reports of of problems. And then the the parent came and wanted the child back. Right. So that's what brought everything to the public eye. So what happened after that became public knowledge, Amanda? Well, once that became public knowledge, the um, Department of Health and Human Services uh, and Department of Social Services in Raleigh – made a unusual move to come into the department, the DSS in Cherokee County, uh, and take it over. Um, in, uh, I guess to oversee the cases at that time and to um, assess uh, the um, maybe the volume of cases or basically to, to do an, an overview and provide leadership during that time. So what happened is the state then obviously became aware of the issue and said, we're going to step in and we're going to clean up, clean up the mess, and they started doing the investigation. Mm-hmm. And that was before, before you right. came here and before Andrea, before you right. came here. This was Correct. all prior to your being hired, right. uh, which obviously you are coming in after the fact, okay? mm-hmm. which you know, we appreciate. Okay, so the state the state came in, and their job was to figure out what had gone on, and to I assume try to figure out what to do. Is that what you would say? Yes. So we're discussing the custody and visitation agreement issue that occurred in the Cherokee County Social Services Department, um, a situation in which. Children were removed from their homes by way of a basically a civil non-court based agreement between 
the parents and the the, the giving up parents and the recipient uh, parents, uh, by which children who were in peril were remo- removed from homes uh, and placed in situations in which they were uh, they were taken care of. There were approximately 41, 42 children in there, and everything was going fine until one of the one of the parents decided he might want to have some visitation and have his child back. And so uh, that's really uh, what happened in Cherokee County. Um, and uh, we will continue our discussion uh, as to the results. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.